thanks so much for watching Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta. And today we welcome Matt McBride, who is the CEO and co-founder of MEND. Thank you so much for being here, Matt. Yeah, great. Great to be here. Looking forward to it. And first, I'll address the elephant in the room that my voice is terrible. This is actually the best it's been in a week, but... It does not sound great. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about MEND? Because it's an interesting story. You started this in 2014 with three of your friends. And 2014 was well before the pandemic, well before people were even really thinking about telemedicine overall. And you created this as a solution for healthcare systems, but as a hybrid portal that's serving patients. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do why you had that thought to do that six years before the pandemic started, and then um, maybe some of the exciting things you're working on. Yeah, so uh, my friends and I come from healthcare backgrounds, and I think we could see all of these other industries changing. Um, so, you know, you could start to tap the swipe click for, for anything, and things just, you know, show up at your house for, you know, rides, food, products, whatever. Uh, but healthcare was still very much paper, phone, fax. Um, so it seemed like this was really going to change and this was going to become more of a modern experience. And we were also really fascinated with the idea of telehealth and uh, what that could potentially do to increase access to care. But we knew in-person visits were going to be important as well. So we built software that we sell to healthcare organizations um, where they can brand it and, and sort of bolt it on and have a complete uh, patient engagement platform that uh, supports hybrid care. So what, what, is, what does that mean? Um, we have built everything from the ground up to think about virtual visits, um, in-person visits, maybe asynchronous visits. We also work with in-person visits and phone visits. So, you know, any, any type of appointment, it doesn't matter. And then we do everything from patients of scheduling, the forms are all digital and, and really easy, convenient to do, uh, reminders for appointments, your payments ahead of time if we need to. And then we can actually facilitate the visit itself, whether that be uh, through telehealth, and then any of the follow-ups that might need to happen after the visit from surveys, maybe additional payments that are needed, so all of these uh, uh, touch points now become more modern. You know, book your book your appointment uh, online to, um, you know, doing forms digitally, having your appointment through telehealth, so on and so forth. So, um, Mend is really a complete patient engagement platform that was really built from the ground up with the with hybrid care in mind, virtual and in person care combined. I'm finding this uh, really interesting, Matt. And, and at the same time, I'm, I'm sure I'm, our audience members are still thinking uh, there's so much telehealth out there and, uh, and we hear about it all the time. And so isn't it already happening? Uh, aren't all health systems already using telehealth to some extent? So really what creates the opportunity at this point? You know, as Stephanie said, you st folks started off well before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, we saw every health system adopt some form of telehealth solution or the other. Um, so as you're approaching potential customers, are you trying to get them to switch to MEND? Are there still health systems out there that are not using telehealth? And, and what is the, it ultimately that helps differentiate MEND from other solutions that are out there? 
Yeah, well, I think the pandemic created a, a little bit of a wild, wild west type scenario. Um, you know, the government sort of quickly said, all right, we, we can do, we're going to do telehealth and we're going to do phone calls. And you know what, you can use something that's not secure, not HIPAA compliant. Um, so you still have a lot of that out there. So I think organizations, if the pandemic was spiking in the, in the area, you know, they, they try to move as much as they can to, to telehealth and then it calms down and they maybe start to move back to in person. And then you've got groups that just quickly threw something together um, groups that are maybe using FaceTime and these things that are that are not HIPAA compliant. And um, I, I think a lot of these organizations are trying to figure out what do we do for the long term, because a lot of the, the regulations aren't exactly set in stone yet. So I think um, a lot of people just kind of rushed and put stuff together and they're, they're thinking, all right, well, how do we how, what do we need to position ourselves for the long term? And I think a platform uh, like ours is going to be, you know, enterprise grade and really position uh, for any type of workflow that might be needed, whether you want to do on demand uh, telehealth, if you want to do scheduled visits, if you want to do group visits, um, maybe even asynchronous, I think we can support a, a, a more robust strategy than where, where a lot of people settled, where they just kind of, you know, threw everything together as quickly as they, as they could. I want to get into the asynchronous visits a little bit. We had a really interesting pre-interview conversation about that, that we all wanted to continue. And now I'm wondering when you were saying before how you were, how you serve diverse populations of everybody from homeless people to people who are in foster care, which was an interesting need that, you know, I never really thought of that you have a lot of situations with mental health that come up in the moment that you need somebody then, and you can't just get an appointment as we all know during the pandemic. And then, so how do, how does that work? How does the asynchronous work and how do you still serve some of these diverse populations who might be challenged with technology? Because it sounds like the asynchronous visits may be a good opportunity for them because they're not necessarily somewhere where they can rely on transportation or, you know, even technology really, you know, maybe they don't always have access to a phone. So how does that all play together? Yeah. So I think, um, uh, you know, we saw very early on that underserved populations were definitely having a big impact uh, for increasing access for telehealth. So I think every healthcare organization is trying to work within uh, the boundaries of reimbursement, right? So uh, before the pandemic, uh, a lot of people don't know you had to go into a physical location. The provider could be remote. We were starting to see states allowing patients to be at home. This is what changed in the pandemic. The government finally said, okay, if you're a patient, you can be at home and we'll, we'll reimburse uh, for that. Um, so we were really working with a lot of pioneers in states that were uh, Medicaid. You know, Medicaid was starting to open up and say, you know, patient can be at home. And so uh, that for us became, you know, maybe foster homes, different shelters for, for battered families that where, where they, you know, you can't really leave and go to a doctor's office in some of these situations. So we started working with groups that were really starting to provide care to those people, uh, homeless uh, uh, folks and, and other types of, and, and of course, you know, other types of populations as well. But we quickly found that every time somebody had this assumption that, no, it's just not going to work for that group. 
Um, we're always proven wrong. So age hasn't mattered. Income level hasn't mattered. All of those things haven't mattered. And uh, we're able to provide care. Even think of crisis care. Some of these traumatic events that happen around the country, we have customers that provide crisis care, you know, mental health services when some of these, um, you know, terrible events that, that happen. So there's all these scenarios that nobody ever imagined. So we saw that early on. And I think now the opportunities have really expanded because of, of the pandemic. And um, so, you know, video has now supported for, for reimbursement, but you know, what, what's, what's going to be next? Where, where does this, the, the Pandora's box has been opened, the, the genie's out of the bottle, where is this going next? Asynchronous could be um, a, a way to, to address that. So we think of that, I think in two ways, you sort of have secure two-way messaging where maybe you're messaging somebody in, in the staff that, you know, you're trying to book an appointment, Maybe you need to get a doctor's note, you have a question, whatever. So there's sort of the administrative side to it, maybe a question about your bill. And then you also have, well, how could asynchronous, how could uh, messaging maybe become an actual uh, visit where the, all of the care is uh, uh, provided um, through secure messaging? Okay, you called it Pandora's box and I thought of a uh, question while you were talking you said in that you said, or maybe it was the pre-conversation, but we were saying how a lot of times it's the staff that's answering questions. And so if email secure messaging becomes billable and I'm not getting an email from the doctor, I'm going to be livid. Like I, cause if I go and I make a doctor appointment, that doctor is going to walk in that room. It's not just going to be the nurse and the doctors, you know, going to pass in the hall, be like, have a, have a happy Thanksgiving, have, you know, whatever. No, that doctor walks in that room. So if I'm going to send a two-way message, how can we be sure that you're actually getting billed for the doctor writing that message? And I think there's a lot that's, um, you know, there's certainly things that physicians can delegate and then it's documented that, that, that they have delegated that, but um, ultimately, they're the ones licensed to provide the care. So they're responsible at the state level. Um, you know, they're licensed the DEA level to, to prescribe. So, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the providers are going to uh, definitely be providing the, the care. There's some things that they may they may delegate. And I don't think we should think of this as, well, if I send a, a one message, Am I going to be billed and get some ridiculous bill? I like to think of maybe a, a, an asynchronous encounter as a series of messages, you know, so a, a whole conversation, just like if you walked in and you're in an exam room and the provider comes in and there's a, there's a whole conversation that's happening. There's information that's provided, uh, vitals that are provided. I think that's going to become a part of this. You're providing information verbally through documentation. There may be labs that are ordered or, or other diagnostics. I like to think of it in terms of uh, a complete uh, encounter. So not just, oh, I send this one email um, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, am I, I going to be charged? There's going to be a complete visit. And I think you know, doctors are doing a lot of work for free. 
with these types of, of messaging and, and other types of, of visits that are happening. And the average provider is spending four hours outside of normal working hour on uh, working hours on administrative tasks. So I think there's a number of different problems from burnout, patient access, no shows that a something a asynchronous has the ability to, uh, uh, you know, help solve some of these these big systemic issues in healthcare right now. But then does it cause them to have is does it either if they're then accounting this as a visit are they going to have less actual you know is that going to be a time block on their calendar that's you know okay we got to check that off or if they're doing it at extended hours could it lead to additional burnout and then as a side note if it's going to be an extended back and forth which makes more sense it seems like maybe there needs to be a checkbox for disclaimer, you know, this is going to be, you know, a multiple email exchange in exchange for medical diagnosis. This will be a built visit, you know, something so that the, the patient knows that this could result in a bill. Yeah. I like to think of it as maybe you're answering some questions to sort of get some idea of what is, is going on. And these questions are maybe based on a clinical protocol, right? So, okay, what, the, what this person is telling us, you, you go, uh, maybe you should uh, call 911 or you definitely need to come in in person or this, you know, you can have telehealth as an option. You can have a messaging visit as an option. So I think a lot of it is going to sort of uh, originate from a clinical protocol. And then I think, you know, the, ultimately the patient would be initiating it. So you've got some problem that you need help with and we're making a messaging visit available to you and it's going to be X dollars or, you know, it's going to be billable in, in insurance. But that's the big question right now. There really isn't, a, 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 there really, a, 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 you know, aren't great reimbursement models unless you're you know, doing uh, radiology or some other imaging work and in, in, uh, uh, billing for that asynchronously. So I think a lot of this is, is unknown, but I, I think there's a potential there for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's a fascinating conversation just between the two of you to understand, you know, how to tease this out, because uh, Matt, as you said, there's a lot to be worked out. Uh, I think the interesting thing about asynchronous is that we're all doing it right now when we communicate with each other, right? I mean, we have such an expectation that's email or text messaging. Of course, you know, some of us have an expectation that those things are going to be answered right away, but it's still not immediate and it's still not uh, you know, back and forth uh, uh, continuously. It's some dis some discontinuity uh, factor is there, uh, and and I think that's the way we live our lives. So why shouldn't that you know be a part of how we uh, interact with healthcare as well? To some extent, I find that to be really intriguing. Uh, the other point, Matt, that I think you made that uh, you know I was also thinking about is if you can structure the inter interaction in a little way, maybe that answers Stephanie's question as well. You know, their doctors in general need to get a certain amount of information from the, from the patient so that they can figure out what's going on. But right now, if I just send as a patient uh, uh, an inquiry into the doctor, it'll probably have very limited information. You know, it might just be, I'm experiencing this issue. Let me know, you know, what needs to be done. And therefore a nurse or an assistant in the office could probably look at it and try to triage it. But if we were to follow a protocol, 
we probably could, you know, structure it in such a way that you could describe your symptoms more clearly. When did they start? What makes them better? What makes them worse? Uh, you know, and, and kind of like, what's their intensity? Uh, are you taking any medication? So it's some form of a structured interview process that all doctors learn anyway, and they guide their patients through, except we'd never really usually put it in front of the patient. So maybe we, we start having our patients a little bit trained in, in thinking and responding this way. And I like what you had to say about maybe that's the basis of generating that initial initial report. Um, so I guess I guess I'm not uh, you know really framing a question there, but more chiming in with, with my thoughts on how asynchronous could, could work. Um, I also find it intriguing that you could do asynchronous video. Because I think that some people, you know, it's a little interesting to think about, but people do appreciate video interactions. And if the patient recorded themselves on video and this following the same protocol and sent it to the doctor and the doctor recorded the video and sent it back, uh, that could add a different dimension of, uh, of intervention. So um, I, I won't, I, I guess I won't try to tie together all these points I just made, but Matt, do you have any comments about any of the things I'm saying and how they come together to help? I'm going to interrupt for a minute and say, I yeah. love your idea of, you know, talking about the video. One other benefit of that is that one, it does form it feel, feel more billable, but two, if it's something that could be saved, it's something that, you know, when you're caught up in medical conversations, you don't always remember everything in the moment. But if it was something that was on video, you'd be able to save it. That is brings in another reason why MEND is so important because it is HIPAA compliant. Because if you're then getting into video symptoms and talking about these things, you need to make sure you're going to have a HIPAA compliant uh, platform that so many people, as you said in our pre-interview, used during the pandemic and didn't even realize that it wasn't. Uh, typically authorized. It was just an emergency exception. I'd say think of it, think of it like this, right? There's there are all these different steps in the, the process. If you wanted to see your provider today in person, right? And so you might have to fill out paperwork, you, you might have to provide something around the payment. Um, you go in, they're going to check your vitals. Uh, you're going to have a conversation with the provider at some point. They're maybe going to order lab results. Then, then maybe you're going to check out and handle any follow-up items. These things, I like to think of these things as we replicate them uh, in, in more of a digital environment. So even from telehealth, for, for example, we have organizations where we can sort of queue and transfer, right? You, may, you might meet with the front desk person. Then they might transfer you to a nurse or MA. And maybe they transfer you to now you're ready for the provider and transfer you, maybe transfer you again to the checkout. It's not just the video piece. So as we start to think about asynchronous, we're still going to do all of those things, right? We need to uh, uh, capture vitals. We might need to, you know, have paperwork filled out and whatever consents and all those things need to be done, maybe based on what you're describing where there's a series of, um, we need, uh, uh, you know, we need you to provide these, these vitals, these self-reported vitals, and we want you to take a picture or here are the instructions. We want you to take a video. We want to get a, a, a video physical exam of this. Here are the instructions. Do, do, you know, one, two, three, and record that in a video and, and attach it and really kind of put all of the information together so that the physician can make an assessment or, or diagnosis. And then 
um, you know, sort of carry through to maybe any follow-up items, labs, or any of those things. So I think all of those things that fundamentally happen every time you go to a, a provider, all of those steps are going to happen. It's it, it could just be asynchronous. So I wouldn't think of it as like, well, you know, I'm having this email conversation back and forth. I think that's all in the context of of one single in, encounter, um, and all of those things, all of those check boxes would still get checked off. Matt, I love that you're thinking about it and, and bringing that conversation here to us. I'm, I'm, I can just appreciate how much our audience is going to enjoy this. Uh, so, so one other angle to this that I don't think we've touched on yet, which has really been on my mind for some time now, is the whole idea of access, right? So we're doing telehealth because we think it's opening up access and giving access to diversity of populations and uh, homeless uh, folks and disadvantaged folks and people that can't leave the home, you know, and, and make it more convenient for them. But the struggle is, at, 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 as you and Stephanie both pointed out, that we still have a limited number of clinicians. The doctors on the other end that are providing the care still have, are still a limited number of doctors and they still have a limited number of hours in a day, you know, eight, 10, you know, unfortunately many of them are spending 12 hours a day. I know friends of mine in primary care have told me they're spending, as you were saying, Matt, four hours outside of every day, every single day, they're spending four hours in addition to their clinic time uh, to provide the care. So I, I'm, I'm kind of really been grappling with the notion of ultimately we have a fixed capacity in the system. Uh, how do we really expand that capacity? Is telehealth really opening up the capacity of the providers to provide more care? Or is it just a different modality of care, which is still another demand on them and ultimately another burden on them, which could just wind up becoming another way for them to get burned out? So, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit of a, of a bigger picture question, Matt, but I'd love to get your thoughts on how does telehealth really help us solve the access issue and the ultimately the limited uh, inventory or resources uh, that we have? Yeah, and and I mean you you talk about access, so patients is definitely receiving better access to care. Whether it's after hours, we've talked about uh, you know shelters, all these different things. Even patients that don't speak English, right? You can have a virtual visit on demand. Provider can bring in a translator in less than a you know less than a minute, and and so I think for the the, the patients, there's a tremendous amount of, of access. When it comes to uh, physician shortages and, and burnout, um, I think you know those are definitely big problems that, that we're thinking about. The Surgeon General came out this year and said, you know, is is warning about it, saying this is uh, um, you know becoming detrimental to our entire healthcare system as a whole. So, you know, there are definitely other. Um, you know, technologies that are trying to work to uh, solve the, the, you know, simplify the documentation. We're working with customers to simplify the documentation uh, in a visit for a provider. Um, but telehealth is faster. The, the average visit is about seven minutes and you can engage with the patient, but still have a lot of access to notes um, and the whole chart on your screen. Um, so I think a big focus for us is how do we create those single screen experiences where you're, you're always going to engage the patient, maintain, uh, uh, you know, good eye contact with the patient, but you still have all the data you need on screen. You can document 
uh, a lot during the encounter and, and ultimately the, the visits are, are shorter. So I think that's something that, uh, you know, as we think about, um, you know, synchronous or asynchronous, we're always thinking about those challenges. And I think there is a lot that technology can, can offer. Um, but uh, that, is a, that is a big uh, problem. And that is something that as we think more digital and as we introduce more technology, okay, we need this technology to also mitigate some of these administrative uh, burdens, which I think providers want. Providers want, they, they got into this to help people provide care, not to you know, type in a system uh, four hours a day, you know, when they're, when they're done uh, seeing patients. So that, that's definitely a big thing that, that we think about you know, with our customers and with any new solution is how can we uh, uh, help uh, with some of those problems as well. To close this out, I'm going to bring it back to the warm and fuzzy and sort of what you were just saying, you know, it's the patient or the doctors want to care for the people. The people want the connection. So as you, someone who is leading a, a software organization, you know, you guys are on the back end and you're providing all these different solutions. What is it like for you? What kind of impacts do you get that keeps you personally going, knowing that you're able to help make these changes and, you know, bring that full circle, really? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we don't hear uh, about every story and we know there's a lot more out there. Um, but um, before the pandemic here, I'll give you, I'll leave you with one story. Uh, we have Grace Medical Home in the area. They serve people who um, don't have any health insurance um, that are uh, at or below the poverty line. And we provided our technology uh, to them. We donated our technology to them. And they were able to work with the state of Florida to get e-signature approved for the whole state. Um, they were able to work with the county to get uh, uh, telehealth equipment funded and the FCC to get that funded. They were able to keep their doors open and provide care during the pandemic and see all their patients. And they still use these these technologies. So we know that a lot of uh, uh, people are um, getting important uh, care on our platform. Um, and I wish we knew, I, I wish we knew more of the stories, but that's why we started the company. We started the company to uh, make an impact and do something to be a part of the solution in healthcare to help solve some of these these big issues and we're definitely making progress every day towards that so that's not only what drives uh, me that's what drives uh, all of the employees here at, at mend as well to uh, um, you know make an impact because stephanie you said it before the show we're all patients it's it's unavoidable even even if providers are patients we're, we've all been patients and we're, and we're going to be patients so um, there's just a, a tremendous opportunity to uh, have an impact and that's what drives us every day. Thank you so much for being here and for this fascinating conversation. It was really great to play what the future looks like. Great, great to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, this was awesome. Well, thank you all for watching. Yes, thank you. Thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.